This is Three and Five, an SLC management podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for dialing in to this episode of Three and Five. This is Steve Peacher, head of SLC management. And today I've got DJ Lucy with me. DJ is a managing director and senior portfolio manager on the fixed income side. And DJ spends a lot of his time on the securitized sector. So DJ, thanks for taking a few minutes. Thanks, Steve. So as we led up to COVID, the front end of the curve was starting to see a rise in rates, you know, which was after a long period of declining rates. And then, of course, COVID hit and you fast forward a year and a half later, we're back to zero overnight rates, very low short duration nominal rates. So what are you doing on the short end of the curve that you think is attractive and, and trying to find more yield? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing there is, we're, you know, we are still finding lots of interesting relative value stories. Obviously, yields are not at their all-time highs or even anywhere close to uh, looking attractive on an absolute standpoint. But there's there's all sorts of things that you know that we can do to add incremental return and focus on value, um, you know, for our investors and our strategies. I spent a lot of my time researching and, and, and managing the securitized products and, and, and credit sectors. And that was a really hard hit area by COVID. You know, obviously that was a, a really tough time in the capital markets, as well as obviously in society. But at the same time, all sorts of values arose coming out of that. And you had uh, really an unprecedented you know, Federal Reserve response to what was going on in the credit markets and particularly in ABS and CMBS and the mortgage credit markets. So uh, we're still finding some values there. And the interesting thing about the securitized credit areas, there's just so many diverse businesses and subsectors within that space. So, you know, whether it's the CMBS market, which is backed by various forms of commercial real estate or asset-backed space, which is not just autos and cards, but now you have things like consumer loans and everything from that to whole business at, uh, ABS with franchises. Um, you're really seeing a diverse set of opportunities for us to invest in. And we're still, you know, we're still finding interesting stories that have a very attractive carry and, and break even versus very low yielding two and three year treasury yields and, and corporates. DJ, if you look back to the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, to some extent, it was centered on the securitized markets, problems in the subprime market, commercial real estate markets. What are some of the misconceptions about securitized assets that you think came out of that financial crisis? And how is the COVID crisis different from the financial crisis in 08 and 09? Sure. So um, yeah, that, that's you know, that's a great question. That's one we talk about internally um, on our desk with our analysts and PMs all, all the time. And one interesting discussion that I'll just relate here uh, because it happened in real time while we're you know looking across sectors, whether to invest in corporates or, or securitized assets, is you know if it hadn't been for 2008, which was obviously devastating for the capital markets, you really would have seen a much worse outcome. We believe in COVID. So in a, in a very weird way. 2008 was actually almost essential for the securitized credit markets performance overall to act so resilient coming out of COVID. And what I mean by that is I think securitization obviously was a huge factor in the 08 crisis, but it wasn't really the structure of a securitized bond themselves. Many of them are very straightforward, sequential pay, senior uh, subordinated bonds. I think a lot of the the, the problems were too much leverage and not enough credit protection, known as credit enhancement in the bonds. So fast forward over a decade uh, later and COVID really hit the securitized credit market's very hard. You had commercial real estate assets like offices or malls abruptly closed for months at a time. I mean, no one can underwrite that or does usually underwrite that. You had immense pressure on consumers backing autos and, and car loans and personal loans and small business loans. So you had many parts of the securitized market that really had incredible fundamental pressure from an almost natural disaster type event. And yet 
by and large, the structures held up extremely well from a principal protection standpoint. You fast forward a year and a half later, and, and most of those investment grade asset classes, not just the AAA classes, but all the way down to triple B, it was very rare for us to see any principal losses. So, you know, what I mean by that is price volatility obviously was, you know, was very punitive and, and very tough to, to go through. But these structures were much more robust coming out of the 2008 financial and 2009 global financial crisis. And we, we thought they held up very, very well through COVID and remained quite resilient in terms of protecting our investments. You know, as you mentioned, in the commercial real estate sector, you've had very different experience through the crisis. Retail, office, industrial have all performed very differently. And I'm not sure it's fully played out yet. So if you think about the CMBS sector, how worried are you about the decline in retail, the decline in activity and the values of, of malls. You've talked about the structures being resilient, you know, but does this play out? How concerned are you about the underlying holdings in real estate in these structures and also an office? You know, the return to work is still kind of a big experiment. How do you think about the office sector in the CMBS world? Sure. So yeah, a couple of things in there. One, I would say worried isn't the right word. Definitely analyzing various outcomes across those asset class that you're talking about. But for you know an asset class such as retail, uh, for example, you know, we think that's unlocked tremendous opportunity for us as bond pickers because we spend hours, if not days, um, researching individual assets and the loans beneath those bonds. And retail is is very heterogeneous. Where yeah, there's class B or B minus malls that you know we don't think are likely survivors in the next ten years. But there's also fantastic retail assets out there that you know we feel like the bonds can still be bought at quite a discount just because of those overarching retail headwinds that you're speaking about. And in terms of office, similar to fundamental trends where you still feel like the office is going to be the home base for most of your services professionals in the United States. Maybe you don't go as much and maybe that model is a lot more flexible. Kind of reminds us you know, of our discussion internally about what we're doing here at SLC, but I still do believe you're going to see a home base survive for most professional services workers in the US. And that will still support trophy asset properties, which can be, again, be had at a discount that, you know, I don't think we would otherwise ever see if we didn't go through the last 24 months. Okay. Well, that's a great look at a complicated sector. So on the personal note, DJ, I know, and our listeners may not know, but I know that you were a pitcher in college as a pitcher and as a baseball player. First is there was a bit of a scandal earlier this year in Major League Baseball and the use of spider tack by pitchers. So the world wants to know when you were pitching in college, were you using spider tack? I, I did not use spider tack. I will admit I did scuff some baseballs with the spikes of our cleats at those days. That was more sophisticated, but nothing short of that in the resin that was uh, allowed on the mound. I don't. I had not heard of spider tack. I don't know if that just makes me old, um, sensitive to that now entering my 40s. But uh, yeah, so some scuffing of the seams, build up the seams to get a good grip on that curveball, but no spider tack. I didn't like how they did it mid-season. You can't be breaking the rules, but I would have let them have the off-season to adjust. Yeah, I'm with you on that. DJ, thanks a lot for taking uh, some time this afternoon. And thanks, everyone, for listening into this episode of 3 and 5. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate catching up.